Hi everyone, on this week's episode of Free Fanatics, we will highlight the importance of economic policy and identify how corruption is killing South Africa and your future prospects. So stay tuned because we are going to have a good show ahead. Welcome to Freedom Fanatics. This is a production of the Freedom Advocacy Network, and I'm Sholin. And this week I'm joined by fans director Herman Pretorius. How are you doing, sir? I must say, I'm I'm excited to be here. I haven't been on a Freedom Fanatics for a while, uh, so it's good to be back. And uh, I've been watching these episodes, um, and uh, I think it would only be fair to say that Sholin, you and the team are doing spectacular work. So uh, I'm excited to be uh, a part of it because, you know, every now and again, I'm, I'm called director, you know, of Freedom Advocacy Network. I have to look like I'm busy. I have to look like I'm doing something. So I've got a good excuse this week. Yeah. No, nah, thanks for making the time, man. Yeah, we're really excited for the future of Freedom Fanatics for sure. Uh, first up, um, we will be discussing fans' um, explainer video. Um, and this one is titled, Why You Should Care About Economic Policy. So we can have a quick watch. It's the economy, stupid. This was the winning phrase that resonated with voters and helped Bill Clinton win the 1992 US presidential election campaign. This phrase was crafted by Clinton's no-nonsense strategist, James Carville. Carville understood that, above all, people prized their quality of life being able to live a comfortable life of their choosing, and that this was intricately connected to the economy. At its core, the economy is a system of transactions, people buying and selling things. The easier it is to buy and sell things, the healthier the economy, and the better the quality of life. Carvel understood that if Clinton could convince voters that his economic policy would ensure a healthy economy and improve their quality of life, he would win the election. And he was right. Economic policy determines how easy or difficult it is for people to buy and sell things. But like an ecosystem, the economy is complex. Just as it is neither practical nor sensible for even the smartest ecologists to try and manage weather and rainfall, or the habits of predators, migrating birds and grazing herds, So it is neither practical nor sensible for politicians and bureaucrats to try to manage who buys and sells what, to whom, how, when, and where. But just as ecologists can be effective in identifying problems and solutions in an ecosystem, so too can policy ensure the health of the economy. Economic policy determines how easy or difficult it is for you to afford to live a comfortable life of your choosing. Like it or not, we are directly affected by economic policy. You have the power and right to demand good economic policy and get others to do the same. 
Your freedom is worth fighting for. Join Fan today to build a new tomorrow. Yeah, Herman. So we just watched our later um, one of Fan's explaining videos. And one thing that I need to note is that usually when it comes to the topic of economics or for God forbid, even economic policy, people immediately tend to switch off because the lingo might be um, a bit too complicated or it might be too complex. But yet, fan, we are definitely trying our best to simplify it and spread um, this message of what the economy is all about um, through our content. And, we, and it's more important now than ever because we are currently seeing that South Africa's economic circumstances are not the best. We have high unemployment rates, some of the highest in the, in the world, actually. Um, the country's debt is reaching dangerous levels. Um, and it is obviously becoming more and more difficult for people to create the business, employ people, and then still run it successfully. How did South Africa, after um, 25 years of democracy, how have we reached this point in our history? I think uh, there's a... There's a, there's a uh... A, a, a temptation here to jump to easy conclusions um, uh, about what's been going on in South Africa's economy. But we have to, if we're going to be serious about understanding what's gone wrong so that we can understand what must go right, uh, we, we have to look at the facts. And the facts are that South Africa's economy in the uh, 1960s enjoyed a booming period. But then into the 70s and the 80s, that boom went away and the economy really became erratic. You would have years of immense GDP growth. Then you would have years of, you know, terrible contractions. So the idea that we went from a stable economy to a bad economy with a changeover from apartheid to multiracial democracy and our new constitutional order, that's just nonsense. The South African economy prior to the 1990s was a roller coaster. I mean, it was all over the place. You couldn't rely on it to tell you anything or to show you anything or to make you money. Um, then we entered a period between roughly 1994 and 2007, where the South African economy started performing amazingly well in many, many ways. The number of, uh, of black South Africans in jobs literally more than doubled, going from something like 4 million to more than 9 million. Um, we boosted access to water and electricity because the economy was growing. That meant that the government could get solid tax revenue, and that meant that they could afford uh, better living standards for everyone. But then in 2007, and this is to answer your question, in 2007, 8, 9, something really you know, fundamental happened. Um, before 2007, 2004, 5, 6, 7, those were great economic years for South Africa. We grew our economy with 4, 5, some approaching 6% of GDP annually. Now, there's this rough rule of thumb that you can think for every percentage point of GDP, you can add 100,000 jobs or subtract 100,000 jobs. So if the economy is growing at 5% a year, that roughly 500,000 new jobs created in that year. Then the global economic crisis came, uh, the credit crunch in 2008-9, and across the world, and we don't have to go into the details of it, but across the world, you know, economies were in free fall um, because the, the global financial system was just shaken at the core. Um, now, what countries like the UK and Germany and Australia and America did was the government started spending vast amounts of money 
to what they call stimulate the economy, because there was suddenly this idea that there's a shortage of capital resources with which to make these transactions, keep the economy going. So they pumped in massive amounts of money. And then to get the thing going, it's like the idea is like you jumpstart a car, you bypass certain systems, you just get it going, whatever, you get it going. And South Africa did the same. But where the other countries then over time cut the spending, South Africa did. So what that meant is our spending, especially under uh, Pravin Gordon's time as Minister of Finance, the South African government spent more and more and more and more. Now, if a government spends more, it needs to get that money from somewhere. That means taxing citizens. Now, higher taxes means the citizen has less money to to buy things that they want. So businesses can't get the money because that money is now going to the government. Um, you have the problem with businesses no longer wanting to necessarily show massive profits because corporate taxation works on profit basis. So if they boost their profits, they also boost their tax burden. So the more a government spends, the more money it needs to take out of the economy. And that's bad for people trying to run a business, people looking for jobs. Now, that's just the short answer. Then you can look at things like BEE that made it difficult for people to hire the right people, black or white, based on their skills. BEE became an expensive system because you have to adhere to certain criteria. Then you look at the minimum wage, which essentially prices young people out of jobs. Then you look at labor unions and stuff where you you know, have this massive risk if you employ too many people, you have to go into shop agreements. So all of these policy decisions just culminated in this situation where economic policy has made life in South Africa ter terribly difficult, difficult to do business. We can look at the mining charter that made it difficult for South Africa's you know, flagship economic industry at one point to no longer function on a profit basis. So it's just all these things contributing to this bad economic circumstances where three in every four young South Africans are now without a job. And that's just, I mean, that's not even a time bomb. That's a nuclear bomb attached to a ticking time switch. Sure. And that is genuinely um, concerning. And I think that should be something that's on the forefront of everybody's minds. And another point that I really like you made is that what we saw across the world during the financial crisis is that many countries started throwing um, money at, for example, the problem. But we know that it's just not, you don't only require money, but it requires the proper decision, maker, decision makers to make proper decisions um, mm. regardless of the situation. And some countries made the proper decisions regarding the economies. And clearly you mentioned the minimum wage, you mentioned race-based policies. These are all things that negatively impact South Africa. And yeah, mm. you basically covered the question I was going to follow up um, on, but thanks for that. No, for sure. But, uh, let, me, let me add one little thing that we can't forget, and that is expropriation without compensation. Yeah. That also comes from 2007. You know, you've got this golden period, 1994 to 2007. In 2007, in December 2007, the ANC um, decided expropriation without compensation would be its policy. Now, come, you know, uh, uh, we're in good company here at FAN, working closely with entities like Sarkilikhan, the Institute of Race Relations. And these entities have been fighting a very brave battle uh, that FAN is now joining to say, no, whoa, the government can't just say to people, your property is no longer your property, it's my property. Because let's look at it from an investor's point of view. If, I, if, if, if an investor is a person wanting to park a car, 
It's their asset. They want to park it somewhere they know it will be safe. And you've got two buildings next to each other. The one is called Botswana and the other one is called South Africa. Over Botswana's entrance, there's a banner saying, your car will be safe here if you park it here. It will be your car. In fact, we will clean it for you. There's a likelihood it will become more valuable if you park your car here. Over the South African parking garage, there's this banner saying, park your car here, but it might not be yours for too long because the government government might want to take it. Which car park will people go and park in? And that's what EWC does. It's this big banner over the South African economy saying, if you invest your money here, we can't guarantee it's going to stay your money. And that just kills investment. Sure. And I mean, investment is where our jobs lie. Um, our, our ability to buy and sell in the free market. I mean, if that goes, the, the state of our country will only worsen. That's the truth. And another thing that's actually um, that's concerning in South Africa, despite the circumstances of um, our economy, is corruption which is another thing that heavily affects um, the South African economy because we know how much money is lost to corruption because of background behind the scenes deals happening between politicians um, and even some in the in the in in the in uh, in the mm. economy um, whether mm. it's the guptas um, we know that they are that these things lead to a huge loss of money and at the end of the day this money does not find itself to ordinary South Africans but actually into the back pockets of those who mm. are uh, who are well connected, you have to put it that mm. way. And in mm. one of one of one of fans' articles, if I can just bring it up, um, which is titled Six Confessions from ANC Leaders that South Africa that corruption is killing South Africa. Um, we is one of the quotes we identifying here is by um, our former um, and more sensible President Tabum Beki, to put it lightly. Um, and he says that some of the people who are competing to win nomination as our candidates um, for local government councillors are obviously seeking support on the basis that once they are elected to positions of power, they will have access to material resources and the possibility to, to dispense this um, through patronage. And mm. my question to you, basically, HB, is that when it comes to our local government elections on the 1st of November, um, we know how much of the resources there are that can reach ordinary South Africans. What should South Africans be looking for when they when candidates come to them with policy proposals, solutions, and track records? What mm. should South mm. Africans be looking for when they cast their vote? Well, I think uh, without you know hammering on this one point, government spending is a big problem, not only because it, or a government spending too much is a big problem, not only because it takes money out of the economy that people might want to spend in a business and so on, but it also gives the government this, this blank check almost uh, to abuse the resources it has. Your biggest spender will become your biggest source of corruption because they're where you concentrate money, they're where you concentrate resources. That's where the temptation is strongest to think, ah, oh, the pot is so big, no one will, no one will know if I, you know, steal a bit of here. So the moment government becomes this big pot of gold gathering thing, you, you, you tempt and you, 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 it's a magnet for dodgy people who want to get their grubby little paws on money. So that's part of what government is so, why it's so dangerous for government to be this big spender. 
because it really does attract the worst instincts because that's where the dosh is at. It's, uh, it's, 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 ah, it just is unnecessary. So when people look at who they are electing, ask yourself, do you think this person, I can trust them with my pension? Can I trust them with my kids' school fees? Can I trust them with my taxes? It really is a question of I'm giving assets to this person. This person is standing for an office to manage assets on behalf of this piece of my city or this piece of my municipality. Can we trust them to do that? And if parties like the ANC and like the EFF have no respect for your property rights, your assets in the first place, why would they have respect for your assets when they're in government? So when we head into this local government election, ask yourself, can I trust this guy with a five rand, with a 500 rand, with 5,000 rand, with 50,000 rand? Can I trust this person to spend it wisely? Because that's at the end of the day what you're deciding on is who gets to spend your tax monies. Yeah. And to our viewers, please take that to heart and definitely keep it at the front of your minds when you cast that vote on the 1st of November. And yeah, thank you for your insight for throughout this entire episode, HP. We have now reached the end, um, unfortunately. But yeah, to our viewers, don't forget to catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and IGTV. And you can join fan and support our fight for freedom when you sign up at freedomadvocacy.net. And remember, guys, your freedom is worth fighting for.